Recording from Title One Studio in Sandy, Utah. Welcome to another episode of Idiot to Genius. I'm Steph Scholl. And I'm Todd Porter. And each episode focuses on individuals that found themselves desiring more. If you're feeling like an idiot, join the club. Okay. For all of you listeners, the thing I love about Idiot Genius is we're learning something new every episode. And today we are learning about the world of engineering and real estate, specifically structural engineering. And so, Todd, tell us about our guests. Yes, Steph. We really couldn't have a better guide for this exploration than our guest, Jaden Olson. The, he's very innovative. He's the mind behind ballpark engineering. Jaden, your blend of expertise in both uh, structural engineering and real estate investment is nothing short of remarkable. So what initially drew you into the world of structural engineering? Well, that's high praise, Todd. I appreciate it. That's a really interesting question. So I'll, I'll tell a little bit of my background. I grew up in a small farming community in central Utah where I was working on the farm during the school year. And every summer I'd go work with my dad on construction sites. He's a general contractor and electrician. So I'd go work with him. I loved building, loved getting my hands dirty. I worked with lots of different contractors while I was working in construction, from framing, insulation. I didn't do a ton of finish, but all the rough-in construction I was a part of. I graduated high school in 2009, and I could not find a construction job anywhere. That's what I wanted to do. I had some scholarship opportunities, and I said, I guess I'm going to take one of these and go to school. And because I love construction, structural engineering was the natural route that I wanted to take. Right. I had a passion for math and physics, and so it just fit. So I went up to Utah State after graduating at Snow College and got a graduate degree in structural engineering. And then my first job out of school, I went from making $25 an hour during the summers as a contractor to making $20 an hour with a master's degree in structural engineering. So oh that's how I ended up being a structural engineer. And go Aggies. I'm a fellow go Aggie. Aggies. That's why I, I can always tell an Aggie. They're just it. like so, so great. So then making that transition from structural engineering into real estate investing, doing yeah. all the things you're doing as far as flipping, development, all those kinds of things. How did that happen? Great question. So again, I, I went from making $25 an hour as an electrician to making $20 an hour with a master's degree in engineering. And I was working 40 to 60 hour weeks and I had no flexibility in my schedule, working from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. most days, plus the commute. I didn't have the family life that I wanted. And we just had our first kid, and, and I was like, I got to find something else. So I started reading a lot of books, listening to a lot of podcasts. I, as any good citizen should, was doing my research on the presidential candidates during the time of 2015-2016 election cycle, and I came across this guy named Donald Trump. He co-authored a book with Robert Kiyosaki. He's mm-hmm. like, I need to know more about that guy. And so then I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And that was my foyer into investing and the definition between an asset and a liability. And I started to really grasp onto that and dove down the rabbit hole of that for a year. And I told my wife after that, I was like, I'm going to quit and go into real estate full time. Like, hold on just a second. <laughs> Let's... uh. So I had about a year experience in engineering at that time. And in order to get a, or a license in structural engineering, you have to be in the field for three years and then pass this big exam. And so I was like, she said, get to that point and then we can reevaluate. So I got to that point and quit my job. So I think that, you know, you're telling your story and it's yeah. like, yeah, this happened and this happened. But I want the emotion. So you tell your wife, <laughs> hey, 
Like, Let's just bring her is, in across this is, the yeah, table. Yeah, this is yeah. the route I want to go. Tell me the emotion. Were you worried? Were you confident? What's going I, on there? I'm a go-getter and I'm an action taker. My natural tendency is to, if I find something, I'm going to try it and do it. And it's all, to my detri- detriment in a lot of ways. It's shiny object syndrome. I'm going to try this. I'm going to try mm-hmm. that and try this. And so like the emotions were high. I was not happy where I was at. The work to life balance was non-existent. I didn't have like what, what they didn't tell me in school was that I was signing up for a career not like what I was studying. Mm-hmm. It was, it was different and I did not expect that. And so transitioning into that, the emotions were tough. The finances were tough. We weren't able to live the lifestyle that I had planned as the provider and protector and presider in my home. And so I ended up changing jobs a couple of times. I ended up finding a job that would allow me to work 40 hours a week, Monday through Thursday, which gave me Fridays to pursue my dreams otherwise and become a real estate investor. And uh, it was a pay cut, but my wife was fully supportive of that. And so before I actually quit my job, I proved to my wife that we could actually do this. So I made $100,000 in real estate before I quit my job, working Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, evenings, weekends, whatever. Okay, and this is where I need to dive into. What was the time frame of this? Like, how long did it take? It was, yeah, that's a good question. So, during all my reading and studying about real estate, I put a list of KPIs that I needed to achieve, and I can KPIs, uh, key performance indicators for anybody that's wondering. But things that I had to accomplish on my lunch break every single day, I had an hour's worth of content or tasks that I had to accomplish on my lunch break. It was calling sellers, calling property owners emailing people, following up with people I talked to a month ago, sending offers. I had a goal of how many offers I was going to send every week and how many people I was going to take out to lunch on Fridays or whatever. I had all these things that I was doing, and it took about six to seven months before I actually had a property under contract that I was going to buy. And so I bought that property, and then two months later, I wholesaled another one, and we were off to the races. For our listeners, expand a little bit on the wholesaling. What what, what is wholesaling? Wholesaling is essentially... The concept of trading paper. I put the property under contract and with that price and the license that I have to purchase that property now that I own the contract, I can assign it to another partner or buyer who's willing to pay a higher price than I have the property under contract for and then I collect the difference. And there's a lot of legal technical stuff in there and talk to your lawyer if you're interested in that because you can get in a lot of trouble with it. Right. The bottom line, I had a 18 unit apartment complex in Salt Lake City the owner wanted $2 million cash for it. He had 10 days to close. And I said, I'm going to buy this because I know it's a deal. He didn't let me walk the property, but it was it was a really good deal. I knew the square footage. I knew the market. I knew the rents. It was a solid price. But he had 10 days to complete his 1031. said, you need to close cash in 10 days. And I said, okay, I'm going to do it. $10,000 non-refundable earnest money that I borrowed from my home equity line of credit. And we found a buyer after three phone calls. I'd been networking with a lot of real estate investors for years before that. And the third person I called said, yeah, we're going to do it. And so 10 days later, he bought it for $2.1 million and I collected the dif- the difference. So, so, so you collected hundred k, $100,000. Okay. So going back to this, t- I'm glad that you're giving us the, this details because to not see any results and you're working every single day and having your lunch break <laughs> planned out. That's hard for five to six months. That yeah. is, can be discouraging. And so I think that that's really inspirational to those that are, that are in that hustle stage, whatever it is. That- yeah, I, I think that's really interesting that you bring that up because, frankly, that was at a time when anybody doing anything in real estate, you touch it and it turns to gold. If you know anything about the market and timing and that, 
like it was hard not to make money in real estate regardless of what you were doing. And so I feel like I timed the market really well. And yeah, it was hard, but in so many more aspects, it was easy. Like I was, I was still an idiot in a lot of ways when it comes to the things I was doing then and the things that I'm doing now. And yeah, it does take diligence and dedication, but I would say that it pales in comparison to the diligence and dedication of the things that I'm doing on a daily basis today. Mm. Yeah. And 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 the the point that you're making in re regarding being an idiot regarding doing things that probably weren't the best things to be doing, yeah. but because of the incredible margins that were there in that period of time, yeah, it, it actually creates some really bad habits. Do you agree with me? Absolutely, yeah. You almost become dependent on the ease and success that you find without doing a lot of the hard work. Like it's a crutch almost. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, it creates crutches. It, it yeah. creates weakness. So so in, in the tightening of the market, yeah. how's that been going? It's been tough. We've had a lot of lot of lo lessons. I don't call them losses. We call them lessons. Absolutely. But yeah, we've lost, I've personally lost over half a million dollars in the last 20 months in my real estate investments and versus so other casually. things. I'm just grateful to be breathing at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've had a lot of success in other places, but yeah, lots of lessons to be learned okay. there. In, in a minute, we're going to dive into that. Let's do it. The thing that I yeah. want to talk about though, I want, want to bring up is the fact when you said a minute ago, just a minute ago that I'm, I'm breathing. Mm -hmm. What is fascinating is if, if you would have lost before you became a real estate investor, if you would have lost $500,000, you would have been completely dead. Oh, it'd be, it'd be destitute. It'd, yeah. it'd, it'd be over. Yep. The game would be over. Absolutely. So, so many people take that one experience and the people that are not in the know, that don't understand investing, that don't understand real estate, that don't understand the opportunities that are there, take that one investment and go, see, I, I'm telling you, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yep. You're crazy to invest in real estate. It's such high risk. What do you have to say to those people? You can swing as many times as you want for the fences, but you're never going to hit a home run if you stop. Maybe that's what I would say. Yeah, you lose. The batting average is low, but you only need a couple of base hits to win the game, and you just got to learn to take the lessons and keep going. It's those who quit who fail. Yeah, absolutely. You, if you never quit, you don't fail. Exactly. And, and next thing is, with this money that you lost, I'm, I'm going to get to the punchline, then we're going to fill the story in. Yeah. With the money that you lost, how did you recover or at least keep your head above water to where you're not destitute? That's a really good question. And I've thought a little bit about this in the conversations that we had before the podcast. But I think more than anything, it's that I decided that I was going to give value to whoever I could in any way that I could, in any capacity that I could. And oddly enough, I turned back to my structural engineering degree and started my own structural engineering business. And when the market really turned, I said, all right, I'm just going to dive headfirst and do everything that I can to create as much value as I can because this is working and I'm making it happen. And I've seen more success in this business than I have in a lot of my other endeavors. And we've been very successful in real estate in, in a lot of ways, in, even now. It look for opportunities where other people aren't looking. And bottom line, it takes a hustle. You have to be disciplined, just like I was disciplined when I was looking to quit my job to become a real estate investor. Discipline is twice or three times as much now to make sure that I'm becoming the type of business or owner and entrepreneur that I want to be to provide for the lifestyle that I I desire. That's all. Yep. I feel like we've come to the part of the episode that everyone loves. The idiot. 
So do share with us the thing, the see. lessons you've learned, the times well, that you go back and change. Well, the, the, where we met, yeah. he had one one of your biggest ones was the North Salt Lake property, right? That was a big loss, yes. And that's where we met. And I'll be honest with you, he doesn't even know this. When when we we went over, I, I met him there at that property. Beautiful. He had rehabbed this property, and it was beautiful. It was amazing. And I'm walking through it. And I'm just looking at the whole thing. And I am i didn't say anything to him, but I was looking at it. I go, he's going to lose money on this one. Yeah. How, how did that happen? What what transpired So there? let's, yeah, let's back up just a little bit. So we bought this property in 2020, April, which was a crazy time in the market. We paid cash for it off of some other investments that we sold. This is my partner and I at the time. Paid cash for this house. And we decided we were going to flip it. The reason we bought this house is because we were looking to get out of the competition that everybody else is in that seven to $400,000 price range, flipping houses and doing these things. And we just got sick of the competition. So said, we're going for the moon. We're going to take this $400,000 acquisition and turn it into $1.5, $1.6 million home, which was totally reasonable at the time of the market when we bought it. And uh, so we paid cash. We got a home equity line of credit from America First Credit Union. In first position, they gave us $600,000 for the rehab. And we estimated our budget needed to be about eight to $900,000. And we just said, we're going to do it. We, this is a 5,000 square foot home. We did a 3,500 square foot addition and we capitalized on the views, the neighbors, and we just, we just went for it. If you know anything about the time in real estate, what the market did, construction costs went up, labor went up, timelines drug out, things got really challenging. And during that whole phase, we just watched our, our comps just keep climbing. So we're thinking we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. So our construction budget increased from Ultimately, what it was was $700,000 to $1.2 million almost. And that's just the renovation side of things. And we just kept spending, just watching our comps keep going, thinking we're okay. And by the time we listed in September of 2022, interest rates had completely gone through the roof. Market had completely disappeared. Our comps just started dropping. One point, we, at one point, our comps were at 1.9 in that neighborhood. It was really good. Within a few weeks, they went from 1.9 to 1.7, 1.7 to 1.5. We just watched these things tank. And we were just following, as soon as we listed, we started at 1.7. We just followed our comps down until we just decided that we just got to drop it and get this thing sold. And so we eliminated all our profits, said, what's our break-even price? We listed it, ended up selling to a cash buyer at 1.39. And that wiped out all of our money that we put down to it. All of our investors made back 100% of their money. All of our lenders got paid. All our contractors got paid. And we just walked away free and clear. We didn't have to bring money to close and made it happen. But that was a tough one. Yeah. Lots of lessons that we can unpack in there if we want. Yes. Yeah. Let's I want to hear. Hear your <laughs> lessons. Uh, managing contractors is not as easy as somebody might think. Like I come from a construction background and I understand a lot of the building process. I understand a lot of the permitting process, the cities and everything. We were building in this place in North Salt Lake. It was on a, about a 13% grade. We ended up having a $60,000 retaining wall that the city required that we didn't have plans for. That was a big one. Our framing package, we watched that creep from $120,000 to over $220,000 just on the framing package between the decks and everything. So managing contractors, managing materials, and managing budgets and timelines. Our contractor that we hired was driving up from Pleasant Grove, which is about an hour every day. And so that postponed timelines out little ways. And Framing through the winter was another nightmare and doing all these things. Like ultimately we set out to accomplish what we did accomplish. It was just the timing and the problems that we did on the management side, the interest rates and the construction costs that ultimately ended up eating us. 
So were you stressed a lot at that time? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't, I'm not the type of personality that gets stressed necessarily. I just tend to hustle. I, I manage stress really well. I wouldn't say that I was stressed. It was just a matter of getting things done. Maybe I should have been stressed. No, I think that's, <laughs> these are yeah. all the things that I like to, Todd more like, <laughs> I'm like the feelings. <laughs> Was my wife stressed? <laughs> yes, my okay. wife was stressed. But like her being stressed, <laughs> were you like, hey, this is going to work out? I mean, we we had other, both my partner and I at the time, his partner, we, he had his own stream of income and I had my own stream of income. And we were playing with house money at that point. Like we built this business, we had $400,000 cash and we were just playing with money that we'd built ourselves. And so it wasn't entirely stressful. It was just really hard to watch the things that we'd built just disappear almost. So, so from there... Did, are, are you going back in, doing flips, that kind of thing? Or so what is it you're doing Yeah, now? during that same time, that was a long flip. We, we've, we've done a lot of things since then. I worked on a four-lot four development in Midvale that we found a lot of success in during that time. And I found a lot of pleasure and passion in doing the development side of things. As an engineer, I have a good understanding of what goes into the documents and the, the plans and working with the cities and all that. And so we did a four-acre or four-lot development in 2021. So does that mean that that's brand new stuff instead of? This one was interesting. It was two two homes that were side by side, each on a half an acre, uh -huh. and we did uh, flag lots in the back. So it was essentially two homes on the street with two homes in the back. So it was just micro subdivision. Okay, it's really what what it was. But that was really fun, and it was a ton of work for the amount of lots that we were doing. And I just said, let's just do this on a larger scale. So I'm working on a 30-lot subdivision in Pleasant View right now, and then we're under contract on 300 acres in southeast Idaho that'll be a full planned urban development that'll have commercial storage and about 800 residential units as well. Whoa. So I found a real passion for that. I've done some syndications. We've got a 10-unit short-term rental portfolio in Alaska that's really fun. Now and, you're going to the developing side. So yeah. of like... I guess it seems like before when you were just going in as a real estate investor, were you yep. like, I'll probably use my degree, but were you planning to use it this much? I I was ready to walk away entirely. So you were, okay, yep. so you were ready to walk away. Yeah, I had my license. I feel like I cracked the code. I was walking on water. We made so much money in real estate, I was never looking back. Um, oddly enough, as soon as I quit my job, I began to realize very quickly that Real estate often doesn't put food on the table every month. It's often an eight to 10 month investment where you get paid really good yeah. money, but that day-to-day -day income, that cheeseburger money, like we like to call it, is, is not there when you're in real estate a lot of the time. And so right. I started helping out real estate investors. They'd say, hey, I need to remove a bearing wall, or hey, I've got a cracked foundation, or a lender would call me and say, hey, I know you're a structural engineer. The company that wants to write the loan on this needs a, a stamp of her bill of health from a structural engineer. So I started doing these little things. and. I got busy enough where I said, all right, I'm only doing it once a week, Tuesdays, so I can do my real estate thing full time. And I was just doing engineering on Tuesdays and ultimately built this little business that we now have six employees and we're doing $70,000 a month gross revenue in our engineering business, which is really good. That is awesome. And that's cool how you just combined your two passions with that. Yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. I've got, I've got big dreams. So I'm kind of what I'm in the real estate development and hopefully eventually buy some con construction companies so that we can be full in-house permitting processes, real estate development and construction all, all in one. That's a goal. That's probably 20 years. But I love that. Yep. That is. That's awesome. Is there anything that you've learned about yourself 
there's nothing like I consider entrepreneurship freedom because there's nobody the, the the biggest challenge with being an entrepreneur or being a business for yourself is that you're in business for yourself. Yeah, that's also the best part of being in business for yourself. Absolutely, you can set your schedule and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Are there is there things that you've learned about yourself in regard to being free, being able to be an entrepreneur? Yeah, entrepreneurship's the hardest thing I've ever done. There's bar none that it's so hard. The freedom that comes with it is absolutely worthwhile, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I have had to become extremely disciplined in managing my own schedule, managing my time, prioritizing tasks, learning to work on the business and not work in the business, learning how to teach other people how to do the work rather than just doing the work myself. That's one thing I'm struggling with right now because it's often just easier to do it myself and stay up all night and work mm -hmm. endless hours rather than teach somebody else how to do things. But it is hard. But the, I'd say the biggest thing that I've learned about myself is that I... I perform best when I am aligned in every aspect of my life, when I have a rigid schedule that I'm adhering to. And that sounds crazy because we talk about real estate or entrepreneurship being the path to freedom and the best, best kind of freedom. But it's important that I have regular time with my wife. And yes, we schedule it and pencil it in for date night once a week or whatever it is. It's important that I make regular time for the gym. It's important that I set aside time to have uninterrupted work, which seems crazy as an entrepreneur to have uninterrupted work. For me, I find that between 4 a.m. and 10 a.m., that's my uninterrupted time, and that's when I get my best work done. And then I go to the gym after that. And so, yeah, I have the freedom to do those things, but I have to have a rigid schedule that I adhere to to be as productive as I want to be when I'm working. Wow. See, you're like speaking. So I'm in the of, you know, your five-month mark, uh, like how you were just like hustling. I'm yeah. in that sort of process of doing the 4 a.m. So it's inspiring to hear you talk about the rigidity of your schedule because I'm going to bed super early. I'm a grandma, but like I get so much done at 4 a.m. that it's yeah. worth it. So I love hearing that. And even as you were talking about, okay, like with the structural engineering on Tuesdays, I did this. This day was when I took people out. It sounds yeah. like you have time blocking. Did you just discover that or do you like, did you have um, a mentor? Or I, I am a big proponent of mentors. And that's another thing that I've learned is that if I can pay somebody else to teach me how to do things, then I don't have to make the mistakes myself and learn on my own. That's been an expensive lesson. It's a whole nother podcast probably, but yeah. I'm a big proponent of mentors. Some of my mentors are Ed Milet, Andy Frisella, Alex Hermosi. These guys, you can find all their stuff online for free. But Alex Hermosi says that the best time to get to work is at 4 a.m. and get uninterrupted work done in the morning. And I've found that my mental focus is a lot sharper at those morning hours. And so I used to be the guy that would get up at four or five in the morning and go straight to the gym. And then I wouldn't start work until nine, nine thirty in the morning. But I found that I am way more productive on my business at those early morning hours when I'm mentally sharp and focused and working rather than working out. And I found that my gym time's better when I go at 10 a.m. And I found that I can still get all of my site visits and things done in the afternoons when I'm out of the office and working with my real estate staff and t touching base with my team and my employees. And then I still have my evenings that I dedicate to my family, which is great. So I'm still able to coach my kids' basketball teams right now, which is time-consuming and busy right now. But yeah, a lot of that stuff, which is great. And, and, and so it's instead of reacting to your – what I'm reading into this is instead of reacting to your day-to-day -day life, you're literally constructing it or designing your life. That, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm still in that process of becoming that genius that I aspire to be. <laughs> but yeah, like, like right now what I'm struggling with is if I have a client who says, I need something by 8 a.m. tomorrow, and it's for a permit that they have on a red tag project that I've got to get completed, 
and it's something that I may have to do because my employees aren't working through the middle of the night, so I'm just going to have to work through the middle of the night. Normally, like I should say, I used to be the kind of person that would just stay up till midnight to get it done, and I'm like, okay, that works. But with my schedule, I found that I'm just going to put it off till 4 a.m. tomorrow morning, get it done out the door. Oftentimes, it might not be till 9 or 10 the next morning that they get it, but I still get my sleep and I still get my productive time in. And so being able to prioritize and make that work schedule work for me and my clients has been challenging and it's still something I'm working on, but yeah. Well, especially when you have a servant heart, it's really difficult to, it doesn't have to be difficult. We're the ones that make it difficult, but to, to not make another person's problems, another person's emergency, another person's urgency our urgency. Absolutely. It's, it's very challenging especially, to do Especially that. with the devices we carry in our pockets that demand our attention all the time. And that's another thing that we can dive into is when do you check your emails? When do you respond to text messages? I'm, I'm not, I've got probably 300 unread text messages in my phone right now that I just don't respond to because either they weren't important enough for me to respond to or I haven't gotten to my 2 o'clock check-in on my text messages to get back to it. So. Wait, so every day you have a time that, see, schedule just fascinates me. <laughs> so, like, you have a time that... When do you check your email then? Typically, I'll check it about 8 a.m. 8 a.m.? 8 a.m. I'll check my email, make sure that everybody's got what they need for the day, and then I'll also check it again in the afternoon. And then you always do text at 2? Typically, I'll try and do text at 2. Texting is another one of those things that's hard because I still have notifications that come to my watch, and I'll Mm -hmm. look at them and see if they're important enough for me to respond to immediately. So there are times that I will respond to them, but generally, I'll try to get back to people who have texted me at some time in the afternoon, usually around 2 o'clock. See, and this is what I'm talking about with the idiot to genius, where I think when we say genius, everyone's, oh, I'm not a genius yet. But with this time management, the stuff that you're talking about to people that are struggling to be consistent, like you're at that genius level where they're like, wow, that's so cool that you schedule out this time and do all these things. And I, I, like you said, Todd, like entrepreneurs, they don't have anyone telling them what they need to do. And that can be really easy to put off stuff. Right. Yeah. You, what you said there, Stephanie, reminded me of an experience that I had probably six months ago. And this was just shortly after we sold this North Salt Lake property and probably the lowest I've been at the during my entrepreneurial journey. But through those losses and the challenges, that's the most rewarding thing about entrepreneurship is to be able to recognize the kind of person that you've become because of the habits that you've created especially in those low points, like embrace the challenge, embrace the struggle and be able to recognize the type of person you're becoming, regardless of the challenges that you're facing. Because ultimately, when you're at the bottom of the valley, you can see the top of the mountain with where you're going. And I know that I'm the kind of person that has developed the habits and the mindset and the the strengths that I have to see where I'm going. And I'm so excited about it. And it's someplace that I'd never would have imagined that I would have been if I would have stayed working at my job. Before that. I quit. That, that is awesome. So speaking of that, where do you expect your business? Look in the future. Where do you think you're going to go? Where are you going to take this business? What is this business going to evolve into? Yeah, I, I hinted on it earlier. We want to have a full in-house real estate development service where we do all the civil work, the engineering design work. We do all the con- construction, and that's probably the last piece that I'll be plugging in later, but I think that there's so much opportunity to go out and buy these businesses from these boomers who are retiring that are in the construction business. Oh, for sure. And I've got lots of background in the construction industry, and I am becoming the kind of person that can manage employees and businesses on a scale that I'd like to, but be able to bring all these things in-house and help real estate investors 
get the development projects that they want done as quickly and as easily as possible, but also be able to create the wealth that I need and the passion that I have through real estate ownership. It just makes a lot of sense for me to bring it all in-house. Yeah. That's that's the long-term plan. Ultimately, like I've got short-term plans for my engineering business and my real estate business, and we're working at those every single day. I've got a roadmap or vision board in my office that I stare at every morning for a little while and throw things up there and make a plan. That's awesome. Without having direction, it's hard to know where you're going, but I've got direction. What's the old adage of the Alice in Wonderland mm-hmm. and the uh, the cat at the uh, when, when 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 she says Comes which way do I go? Roads, yeah, and and he and he and he says where do you, where do you want to end up? Absolutely. And then she says, oh, I don't know. And he says, well, I guess it really doesn't matter, right? <laughs> yeah. So you, you need to design your path. Yeah. And it's something that I, is constantly changing. I'm constantly working on. That's yeah. Awesome. One of my mentors calls it window shopping. Spend time every day looking at what you want, what you're going to accomplish. It's even something as simple as I'm going to take my dad to Pe- Pebble Beach Golf Course next year. That's one of my goals. And cool. wouldn't happen if I didn't put it on my vision board and know that that's something I want to do. You know? Right. So, Does your dad so, know that you want to do that? I haven't told him yet. Maybe I'll send him this podcast. (laughs) So is vision board something new that you started doing or have you always done it? I have known about vision boards for years, but really being diligent on it is something that is a habit that I've had to develop. And this window shopping, do you just look at your board for a few uh, minutes? A lot of time I'll, I'll just browse the internet and look at things that other people are doing and things that maybe I want to accomplish or I've got mine broken into five categories. It's faith, family, finance, fun, and fitness. And oh, so I, I try to work on each of those categories every day and focus on something that I want to accomplish. For me right now, I want to bench 315, and I'm getting really close to that. should be able to do it by the end of the year in my fitness area. Hey, oh, that's cool. Awesome. That's fun. That is awesome. That's, a, that's yeah. a significant accomplishment. Thanks. It's been a long time working at it. I think that's cool, too, because a lot of times people make goals, but to have, I think the goals writing on a piece of paper, right? Like the vision is like full picture. And as you're like window shopping, it's I love that of window shopping because you're getting to picture yourself in all these different things. And then you have fun on there. (laughs) Some of my, yeah, just one real, real quick success story with that is the beginning of 2020. We were in the heart of this remodel project. I was looking at other real estate investments and feeling like I need to just dedicate my time into my engineering business or drop it entirely. And so I set a goal to take my gross revenue from $5,000 a month to $50,000 a month in one quarter. And I said, if I can do that, then I'm going to go buy myself a Corvette. And I had this Corvette on my wall, 2021 Corvette Stingray, rapid blue, 2LT, this beautiful car. It's 495 horsepower, does zero to 60 in 2.9 seconds. It is sweet. Right. And I said, if I can do this in 90 days, it's beginning of January, 90 days. It's a huge, massive goal, like 10X goal, like Grant Cardone says, 10X, mm-hmm. 10X goals. And I said, right. if I can do this, I'm going to buy this car. And so within 90 days, I watched my revenue go from 5,000 to 20,000 to 35. And then we hit 50 on March 23rd of 2022. And I went out and bought that car. And that's another miraculous story. But Things don't happen for random. They don't happen randomly. It's intentional. About being intentional with the things you're creating. Yeah, you have to design it. Yeah. Do you still have that car? I do. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I debated <laughs> selling it, but we rented it out on Turo this year. Made about three, four hundred bucks a month after payments and everything, so not too bad. But I still, it's in my garage for the winter, so I did get to drive it occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But these are the stories that I just find so inspiring because to get so you were at twenty thousand for 
We were at five thousand dollars. Five thousand. Yep. So and to jump to you said it was fifty. Yeah. That's a huge jump. It was massive. That's it was unreal. so cool. Yeah, it was fun. So yeah, these yep. are. This is why I love talking to people because it it makes me. Because sometimes I think I because I have some big goals for myself, and sometimes I'm like. Am I crazy? But then it's okay to be a little crazy. But I think it's because I'm constantly talking to people that are doing their dreams and doing like stuff, right. I'm like I can do anything I want. <laughs> <laughs> like wow, you went from five thousand to fifty thousand. Yeah, that's a huge jump. It was it was almost too big. Like it, like I hit that fifty thousand dollar mark, and then the next month I think we were at twenty thousand dollars. It's like I touched the moon and then I got scared and had to back up and figure out how to grow appropriately yeah. how to sustain how to sustain it and it's been it's been a whirlwind just keeping up with it and trying to manage the work and the people and the clients and everything and becoming the kind of manager and employer who can do this and it's not easy but the yeah. person who I wish was really that was here with you we should have invited is your wife to be here with you because she's a rock star and just the support that you've hinted at as far as her being there with you, walking with you, and getting that done. So what, what was yeah. your wife's name? Her name's Becca. Becca. So yep. congratulations to you and Becca on, Thank you. on working together and getting it done. Thank you. Through yeah. the ups and the downs. Absolutely. If it was all one direction, <laughs> I'd be going, you, 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 your relationship <laughs> yeah. hasn't been all going up and up and up. Yeah. But life happens to all of us, and the mm -hmm. fact that you two have have I, I, is your relationship even stronger now than it was before all the challenges? Absolutely, and I would say that it's not—it's not something that's done. Yeah, it's stronger than it's ever been, but it still takes work. Like I oh, said, yeah. I, we prioritize each other and do what we can, and she's willing to work with me when I have things come up, or sometimes we miss date night for basketball games or whatever else. And but it's—it's it's constant work in progress. But yeah, awesome. we're we're fortunate that she was able to quit her job during COVID. She used to be a nurse, and she didn't want to do that anymore with all the mandates and so now mm -hmm. she's home full-time with our three kids and daughter on the way so oh cool yep. and that'll bless your life in ways i, I was able to do that with my wife that that she to have her and, and my kids to this blessing. day my, my, my kids talk about what a blessing it was having a mom home absolutely so that's awesome so no it's not easy and i couldn't do it without her she's a, she's amazing yeah. i'm glad that you brought that up todd our last question to wrap things up yeah we want to know, what's your advice to your past self? With everything that you know, or to mm. a young entrepreneur, what, with all this wisdom, what would you share? I would tell my past self that patience is key. And that's one of the hardest lessons that you can learn, is to be patient. You have to plant seeds, you have to nourish them, you have to watch them grow, and you can't harvest them for a long time. And I know that Todd and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but some of the biggest regrets I have in real estate is selling the real estate and taking the profits now for the profits that I could have had later. And, and I can apply that analogy to so many aspects in my life is that patience is key. And yeah, it's hard. It's hard. You have to have discipline. Like seeing results in the gym takes so much consistency that it's, it's hard to make it worth it, right? You have to be incredibly persistent and you have to be patient and being willing to put in the hard work and make it happen. And that's something that if I could have learned a long time ago, I'd be a lot further ahead. And I do feel like I'm a fairly disciplined person, but I still have a long ways to go as far as developing that patience and that discipline. When it comes to idiot to genius, we're all going through this journey in many different areas of our life where we're commoners, we're just common everyday people. And in, in other areas of our life, we're striving to be genius. Once you reach that genius level, 
those that are willing to carry on in their journey of life go back down in the valley. You talked about that. Yeah. Go back down in the valley and become idiots again and work their way up to the genius level. And your experiences, you have summed this whole process up perfectly. And that is the process by which the individual right to fail unleashes the unlimited potential to succeed. In summary, it's called freedom. To all our listeners out there, remember you get to choose your title company. So remember, there's a reason why there's a one in our title.